everybody and welcome to Forecast episode number 110. Um, as we mentioned last episode, this one will be a VCR. And if you still don't know what that is, it's Fox Critical Review, which basically means we look over like an old game from the vault of Nintendo or, you know, the consoles, whatever, um, and go talk about it in as much detail as we can without boring you, we hope. <laughs> we um, hope. So yeah, because you know they're called VCRs, we call them tape, so this is tape number eight. Um, today I'm joined by Stephen. Hello, I am me. And Ben. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's so, very excitable. <laughs> so, the game... The ge- we were going to actually talk about Jet Force Gemini because this year it's actually... Actually, I think this week it turned 15 years old, which is pretty... Um, which is, you know, so huh. long. So, yeah, it's pretty... That's why I picked it. Um, but then we decided not to do that. We did Donkey Kong 64 instead because Donkey Kong 64 is still going to be 15 years old this year. I don't know exactly when. Um, it's like November. But, Oh, so now pretty much. Did they yeah. have? T- did they both come out the same month? I don't know. Anyway, it was weird. I <laughs> found it weird they put out two games a year. But anyway, I always felt like I was waiting so long for a rare game to come out. Oh, they just but, pumped them out. I was looking at it and like within the space of about five years, they had like Goldeneye, Banjo Kazooie, Donkey Kong, Jeff Force Gemini, Banjo Tooie, Bad Fur Day, Perfect Dark. They just pumped them out. It's amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, it's crazy how good most of them were. Yeah. So basically, um, we, yeah, so that's why we picked Donkey Kong. So we'll get straight into it. We'll talk about, I guess, the development history like we always do, or like, you know, some interesting facts about it, the background or whatever. Factoids. Um, so basically, as everyone probably knows by now, Donkey Kong was pretty big after the first three Donkey Kong Country games on SNES. Um, and, you know, there were, hip- by the time that this game, Donkey Kong 64, came out, you know, we'd all played. Banjo Kazooie, the spin-offs had come out as well, like Diddy Kong Racing. But you know, I think that I remember wondering. I don't know if you guys were the same. But like, what would they do next? Like, if Donkey Kong was going to come back and it was going to be the same, because um, you know, Country was really good. Like, even when I played it when mm. I was little, I could tell it was really good. Like, and then I appreciated it much more when I was older, of course. But like, I don't know. There was just something really good about it. And it probably wasn't actually that long between Country 3 and like when Donkey Kong 64 was being rumoured and everything, but it seemed like forever back then. Yeah. It's like, where's my next um, Donkey Kong game? So basically, um, it was reverse revealed at an, uh, I think it was a Space World event, but they I couldn't find 100% accurate information, but yeah, and it was going to be, and the prototype was known internally as Ultra Donkey Kong because, you know, it was going to be the <laughs> Ultra, Ultra 64. 64. Yeah. Um, and the idea was that the game would be developed for the 64 disk drive because uh, it needed, you know, bigger yeah. environments and I guess there were a lot of memory requirements of the game itself because, you know, all the different characters and stuff. And the idea was originally to be, have made it linkable with Banjo-Kazooie so that, you know, you could... And that was why they did it with the 64 disk drive because, you know, you'd have your disk in the disk drive plus you'd have the Banjo-Kazooie cartridge in oh, the I, console. And they wanted to connect so much to Banjo-Kazooie but then they I just know. kind of never did. <laughs> yeah, so because the idea was to have the Banjo-Kazooie characters appear in Donkey Kong and vice versa. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know why... <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. But then Banjo appeared in Diddy Kong Racing so I mm, guess they were kind just of... Just one big rare family. Yeah, I guess they're moving towards that anyway. Yeah, well, that, um, that, that so went well, as we found out later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, they scrapped that idea and said, well, let's just make people make people use the expansion pack instead. Um, so it was the first game, I think, on 64 that required the expansion pack. Like, because before this, you could use it, but you didn't have to use it. Mm. Like Perfect Dark, that was the worst. 
like going to a friend's house to sleep over and forgetting the expansion pack so you couldn't you can play, only play two players and one map <laughs> it was the worst um, <laughs> yeah so because it required it it included it like bundled in the box and um, which is I'm not yeah. sure you probably found this story but the reason that it was required was just that they couldn't get it working otherwise like there there was something that wasn't running about the game with the amount of memory that they had on the 64 and they just straight up couldn't work out how to fix it so they just took a loss on it and gave everyone an expansion pack so that because that fixed it it like the expansion yeah. pack didn't add any new features or anything it was just it won't work without it so we'll kind of give it to you it's crazy it really is um it's I mean, yeah. But then it's interesting because I did some digging for the episode we were going to do about Jet Force Gemini, and that game was going to use the expansion pack and require it, but Rare didn't want to split the console base. or I don't know if it was Rare or Nintendo, so they instead aimed to get as much out of the console as they could, right? So, like, you know, that's why Jet Force Gemini, if you play it today, it's very, very, like, you know... It's, it sure could have used an expansion pack. Yeah, and it was really fully op- optimised for the 64. Um... I believe Donkey Kong 64 ended up being four times the size of Super Mario 64, like, in terms of, like, raw data, um, whereas it was double the size of Bandra Kazooie. So, it was ended up being a pretty big game. Um, I guess the big thing... The big question, I guess, above the, the game was, you know, why weren't Dixie and Kitty in it? Um, there were kind of rumours going around that Rare were told to take them out of the game because Donkey Kong Country 3 didn't really sell to expectations, so, you know, they were kind of seen as, I guess, the flops of the Donkey Kong <laughs> siblings or whatever. Um, but that was never, like, 100% confirmed, so it was really just, you know, conjecture. But I wouldn't be surprised. That's so weird that that game sold not terribly well. Like, this is a little off-topic, but, man, that was so good. Like, better than the other two, but people didn't buy it, apparently. I think it came out pretty late. Yeah, it was in probably, this, like, this life. might have been early remember, in 64. The first two, I remember when they were coming out, like, my parents and all me would know about it, you know, up until release. And then three just kind of appeared. Oh, so okay. I don't know if that was a weird thing. But yeah. Um, so the marketing campaign for Donkey Kong 64 was pretty big. It was really extensive. Apparently, today, it would have cost $12 million all up. I remember um, specifically with any magazine that I read, they all got sent, like, they had those custom N64s and they got sent it in a weird, like, wooden crate with all this, like, jungle bits in it with an N64 in the game. Like, they went all out. And exotic spiders. Yes. And then... <laughs> um, and, and they also developed, like, a full-on, full-blown card game similar to the Pokemon card game and they released that in Japan, but and Japan only. Um, so it seemed like it kind of paid off because the game itself ended up selling, I think, 5 million copies worldwide, which is pretty... I think that that feels like a lot for then. For the time, yeah. Like, now that would be a disappointment, but I think that was a fair bit, for, especially for N64. Yeah. So, um... Critic, when it came out, critics praised it because it had an endless, a seemingly endless amount of content, which is interesting. <laughs> um, and yes. some critics claim that having a person doing the collecting for five characters is tedious, unlike games of Magic Kazooie when you only had to do it once, so, you know, there was that it was kind of polarising, but generally the sentiment was pretty positive, which was I guess good for Nintendo and Rare, but yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know, did you guys play it, you guys didn't play it when you were young, hey? I no. only ever played the, like, the multiplayer, but yeah. I never played much of it single player at the time. It was really weird, because I remember when I was playing it, like, I wasn't... Like, I loved the first, the Donkey Kong Country games, and I remember thinking, this is good, but it's not Donkey Kong Country. Like, I remember thinking to myself, this is not 
as good as I thought it would be, mm. which is really strange for ten year old me to think. <laughs> but I do remember feeling that way about it. like I just played it just to play it. But I just you're a game critic in training. <laughs> it was just weird. <laughs> um, another few interesting facts before we get into it is that Grant Kirkhope, the guy who composed the music for the game, um, has recently publicly apologised for including the Donkey Kong rap in the game, <laughs> claiming that it was a joke and he didn't actually expect it to be in the game, but at the time, he they thought it would be funny, so they just did it. He did so, heaps and heaps of like incidental dialogue and stuff in this game, like all the like, yeah, it's all just him. Just sitting at a desk recording his voice. Yeah. So great. And, um, it's, so, I mean, I think that that's, that kind of leads into the reason why we kind of went for this game, for this, for this VCR, is because it's kind of ambitious and it has a pretty big scope, I think, but then those exact things that were so popular back then and made it so, such a big, like, you know, people praised it for are kind of the things that make it not so good now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't think it's well. Actually, no. I think I do think it's bad now. But I don't know. It's just not as good as it was. Like, if you were to, I think if you gave it to everyone, well, no, that's not even a good metric. I was going to say, if you, if you gave it to everyone today, they would hate it. But that's kind of, you know. I mean, myself I don't know personally, how to put it into like, words. I feel like I can play Banjo Kazooie, which came out just before, or Banjo Tooie, which came out just after, and enjoy both of those far more than I enjoyed anything in Donkey Kong sixty four. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, Banjo-Kazooie and Tui both had HD redos mm. recently, like, in the last few years. Well, the last generation of consoles just gone. And, like, they still played pretty well. Like, just it was just a graphical update. Like, it, they didn't really change anything, mm. and it still played well. So, yeah. It's just a bit... I mean, is there a reason that you guys didn't grab it when it came out? Or you weren't... Just weren't interested, or...? Not exactly in the money at that point. <laughs> I just didn't have a 64. <laughs> I am a heathen of that time. Yeah, I, th- I think I really think I was spoiled. It was just what I <laughs> just what I came into. So my my mains were Smash Bros. and um, GoldenEye, um, Star Wars Podracer, which mm. came with the console as well, and Ocarina of Time. So yeah, it was only it was only really what I got given, and I never had a great interest in Donkey Kong sixty four because really at that point I was still playing the Donkey Kong Country games religiously. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the thing, it's it's kind of, it's just weird because Donkey Kong, they went from these really, really, really tight 2D platformers to what really just felt like, you know, they've, they're have they just copying and pasting their formula from Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, it really did. I'm you sure we'll go into it in a bit more detail, but I couldn't yeah. shake that sort of idea that this was just a reskinned Banjo-Kazooie with all, all the little things that kind of made a little bit of sense in Banjo-Kazooie just felt so weird in Donkey Kong. Um, so, I mean, I, we won't really dwell too much on the story and the writing, because, you know, it's not a game that's really designed to be like Monkeys that. Monkeys, no, apes are kidnapped, and yeah. then you also <laughs> so, have to collect lots of bananas, and a sign wants you to give them to him. There is a giant mechanical island which moves for some reason. <laughs> and it and, crashes into another giant island with a face on it. Which is made in, in the image of its of its ruler. Is he a king? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's best not to ask questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and because his crew is shit, they crash. And the Blastomatic, which is the which is the I don't know the bad thing, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, malfunctions. So the bad. So you have time to save everybody. Well, um, you know. I don't know. It's very... Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone knew at any point in development. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the the writing. I mean, I don't know if you guys got too far, but you know, there's heaps of kind of funny kind of aspects to it. Like, it's not too serious, you know. Yeah, we we um, had a chuckle occasionally. Yeah, like uh, like how he's fashion. trying to how, yeah how he's trying to get like his shit all fixed up and stuff, and he's just his people are just terrible. It's <laughs> yes, like, it's like every day for, at work for me. I can totally sympathise. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then Donkey Kong obviously has to go on a big trip to um, whatever find places. his bananas, find his people. Yeah, and the places like I can't really work out where they are. It doesn't really make sense geographically. Like it's the same kind of um, I don't know what do they call it? impossible spaces. Yeah, I think that's about right. <laughs> yeah. It's very yeah. That's another thing that felt very Benjo Kazooie and very not Donkey Kong like. Donkey Kong had a everything had its place and you could see where it was relative to another place, but this was just like lol portal. There's a new level now. Have fun. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, I think I think one of the issues there is a game like Banjo Kazooie and Super Mario sixty four with their paintings or or those sort of things that show you where you're going to the next world. It's very signposted from the beginning. Whereas in Donkey Kong sixty four, I was like, oh, oh, that's the entrance to the next world. You don't know until you enter there. So those those sort of um, signs that you expect aren't really littered throughout the game, like in Banjo-Kazooie. It seems like it should be connected when it really wasn't. (laughs) Initially quite confusing, but then you just have to memorise where you've seen these locations before in order to get back to that area. Especially when you have to reroute and pick up all those different coloured bananas. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Let's let's use that to segue, I guess, into the (laughs) gameplay itself. Um, So, it's... Pretty much, yeah, it's a Banjo-Kazooie game, really. Like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you have a big open hub world that leads to the mini-worlds that are usually themed after something in particular. Um, each of the... You have to collect golden bananas, much like how you had to collect jiggies. Um, and most of your progress in the game is gated behind the use of certain characters. Mm-hmm. So, whereas Banjo-Kazooie, I guess, would, would gate your progress behind abilities and the and jiggies that you collected. There were certain, like, note doors, but... They were less regular. There were only a couple of those. Yeah. I think the best thing to talk about at this point is the the problem with the bananas and the progression system, which was glaringly obvious to Stephen and I when we started playing. Um, You start collecting those bananas, and then you come up against some section. You don't don't know what it is at that point, and it's the gatekeepers to the boss, um, and you find out that it's a boss behind the door as soon as you fed them the right amount of bananas, and it seems fine at the start. But then you're like, oh, hang on, Diddy Kong has some bananas too. So you have to feed those bananas to the gatekeeper. And when the gate finally opens, you can get past the boss. The boss gives you a key. You go back to a large reptile in the... K-Lumsy. Yeah, K-Lumsy. And you, <laughs> you unlock one more of the padlocks on his cage. He stomps around. A new door opens or a, a rock explodes somewhere on the island, which allows you get to <laughs> get into that new area. And once you're in that area... There's a sign with eyes, because it's a rare game, <laughs> who demands that you give him golden bananas, which are different to the normal bananas. And and we found that some of the golden bananas can only be picked up by certain characters. Yeah. So, and then you get to that next area, and you unlock more characters, and now you realise, hang on, it wasn't just Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong, you had to get the normal bananas, that is yellow and red, to the original gatekeepers, now you have to get yellow, red, and blue. Just- and then once you got five characters, it becomes a real issue. <laughs> Clusterfuck is the easiest way Pretty to describe it. Yeah. Oh, it was um, just like with each new character, how, like, because they all get um, in the gameplay, they all go through to either 
uh, what's the old man? I Cranky. Cranky, that's right, yeah. If they go to Cranky's hut and they get a new yeah. ability in each level, but then you realise each character has to go there separately to get a, a, a their ability for and that get level. the aesthetic of the ability. Yeah, yeah, it's just like... And then, you know, there's two or three different types of abilities. There's, like, a an attack and a music musical instrument and a weapon, and, and each character that, has to you're go managing four or five currency. times. You're managing the currency that you have to have at that point mm. in order to pay Cranky. Because so he, doesn't, he doesn't really want to help you out without getting some sort of, you know, financial gain from it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's kind of like, and that's one of the things I kind of thought, was there's so many abilities in this game that I don't really feel like any of them was used really well. No, like, yeah. They were so underdeveloped, and it's just so hard to... I can't even remember half of them, because, like, I remember Chunky's triangle, because who the fuck has, <laughs> a, he has a triangle? Like, a triangle <laughs> instrument, like... But, like, and... I just don't remember the others. And then the weapons were more, um, you know, just attacks that weren't really more... Um, I think Ben was saying useful. this while we were playing, but it just felt like Shadow the Hedgehog Donkey Kong version. It's like, why do they need guns? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that was my first thought. They've, pineapple they've... rocket launcher and um, <laughs> a, a, a... coconut a gun. Freaking... Yeah, fires and, uh, and spurts. But it's it's <laughs> weird though. <laughs> if he shoots you, it'll hurt. It's, it's gonna, gonna hurt. hurt. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's weird because some things kind of like I think the peanut guns. That's the first time they've ever appeared, right? But now they're yeah. they're a donkey. They're, they're a Diddy Kong thing now. Like they're mm. stuck. Whereas I don't think I've seen the coconut gun. Well, I think actually with Donkey Kong, like a lot of his like standard attacks and things like that, um, like in Smash, I think they originated in this game. Like you know the jump and attack, how he does the big like fist slam. I think that originates here and a couple of other you, moves. When you talk about the peanut pop gun being a Diddy Kong thing, it's because I suppose prior to this, he wasn't imbued with a lot of identity. Yeah, whereas Donkey Kong was already an ape throwing, chest beating gorilla. As Diddy Diddy Kong sort of just tagged along, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, this was kind of the first point where he... Oh, that's a Diddy thing, as opposed to he's just small and can't kill things. So, that's something good yeah, that comes out true. of this. But then the other three characters... Yes, that's true. The other three playable characters just faded into obscurity What happened quickly. to them? Oh, no, I miss Lanky Kong so much. <laughs> what about Chunky Kong? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they... Didn't they appear in... They appeared in a racing game at some point. Or, Did they? But, um, so, basically, if people... Yeah, I think Tiny appeared. Tiny appeared in Diddy Kong Racing on DS because they had to take the rare oh, characters out for yeah. copyright purposes or something. Um, I think that's all I remember. I don't remember seeing Lanky ever again. Um, Thank God. Yeah, Lanky's just terrible. It's like Taylor Swift as an ape. He just makes the best noises though. <laughs> So, but, uh, yeah, like, has he got a mental disability? <laughs> like, why does he wear a red nose? Like, I don't... And he needs uh, his pants repaired. <laughs> so, basically, for people who don't, like, people who haven't played it before, there's five characters you can play as. Donkey Kong is kind of strong, but he's more of, actually, he's more of an all-rounder. Diddy Kong's a bit weaker, but a bit faster. Tiny Kong is fast, but hits, hard, like, you know, less harder than Diddy does, but can twirl with her hair, just like Dixie, which is, makes me wonder, why didn't they just put Dixie in this? Like, but yeah. Who knows? Um, Lanky, I guess, is kind of a weird all-rounder kind of, uh, I don't even know He where. has yoga arms, like friggin' Dulcine. Yeah. Um, and Chunky is a super heavy hitter, so, um, and I feel like he would be dumb. He has a triangle. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's, that's his identity. That's, yeah. a, that's a legitimate talent. 
But like, it just, I just find it so weird. Like, why wouldn't they just use Dixie and Kitty? Like, Kitty would be fit perfectly in Chunky's role, and so would Dixie with Tiny, kind of. But it just seems so bizarre. Like, such a missed opportunity. Maybe Chunky instead, is Kitty Kong. Instead, dun, dun, oh, dun, yes. Uh, Maybe he has to go into witness protection because <laughs> someone bashed him up. Oh, I don't know. Shit's gotten a bit dark. So, yeah, um, there's... In terms of, like, the... I mean, let's talk about the... I guess we'll talk about the controls. Like, did you guys find it controlled well still, or...? Initially, very jarring, in yeah. my opinion. I don't know why it did, like, the... It was probably a combination of the camera and the way that each of the characters move, but you kind of... If you're standing on the top of a tree and need to look in a different direction to jump onto a vine, for example, you had to do, like, a big circle and you'd fall off two or three times. Like, there was no way to reposition yourself without... Just yeah, around. considering that you spent a lot of time in Donkey Kong Country, the original at least, on the top of the palm trees, the the, the fronds on top of the palm trees, you, a, a seasoned Donkey Kong Country player would obviously expect to yeah stand Jump on top of the tree. tree. So there's a there's a tiny area on top of the tree that you can actually stand on, and you fall through the rest of the leaves, and the player doesn't know mm. where that standing area stops. So you can't you can't just hit back on mm. on the control stick and turn around the character will do a circle so it, it became extremely frustrating to you know look in the right direction the camera is not very responsive at times so you want to use the center ability mm. to bring the camera behind you but of course then you have to be looking the right way so it's do you tap away at the camera stick or do you you know attempt to do tiny circles and not fall off the tree and you're thinking about all this while attempting to have fun playing the game <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah. so controls were they've definitely been improved now in platformers let's say yeah, but yeah, I think I think once you get you, I think once I you get going with it you can get used to it and have hmm. a little bit of you know mental work around to adjust to the you know the just go back in time controls. 15 years yeah so once once you get used to it I think you can make a little bit of a I compromise reckon, yeah I think that's pretty fair um, like summary I do think you guys probably think I'm crazy for this but I think the swimming controls were pretty well done uh, they were uh, okay they were similar to Mario 64 if I remember right I was just dreading them I guess maybe because <laughs> I was dreading them so much like it kind of lowered you know expectations and then they weren't that bad but <laughs> there was one I don't know if you guys got up to this part but there's a part where the camera goes like top down mm-hmm Dude, you didn't get up to this. It goes... It tucks you into this square box, right? And you, it, you the camera's top-down. The f- room's filled with water. There's a freaking star... Angry psycho starfish, like, <laughs> spinning everywhere. As uh, starfish I want to And you've got to get do. the golden banana. Ah. Uh. <laughs> but, like... And so you're, like, having trouble judging depth and stuff? Yeah, because the camera's top-down. Like, you have no idea. It's just the most... I, I understand maybe they're just trying to make it hard, but it just seems like a shit way to make something hard. Like, <laughs> it's just frustrating. It doesn't really add to it, I thought. But, yeah. In yeah, some no. ways, I think the game just falls into that that box, old, older retro games, where you're actually fighting the game itself and not, not just the gameplay design, you know... And that, that, that always hampers enjoyment. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's really hard to play at this point. It, it took a concerted effort to actually, yeah, sort of get into that mindset we were talking about before where you just get used to how games used to be. And yeah. Once we got past that barrier, it was it was playable, but it was still in the forefront of our minds, I think. Yeah, it's still just like every time you, you know, get to a certain part and you're battling with the controls again, it's just like, oh, do I have to keep playing this? Mm. 
it is weird. Like, I, it's just really strange. And coming from um, Rare as well. So yeah, like I kind of felt like they were not. Not at the top. Well, I guess they were kind of at the top of their game, but it just seems it's like... It's like just between Banjo-Kazooie and Tui, which I can still play now and not have any of these control issues. It like, makes me wonder if maybe there was some development like problems behind the scenes and they just had to it, fill it, it up, kind of. I don't and know, plus the added pressure from Nintendo being one of their properties as well. Mm. I was thinking, like, maybe... I don't know if they actually had more than one development team, but since they were pumping out so many... Okay, because maybe they, you know, they had their A-team on, you know, Kazooie and Tui, and this was just kind of the leftover people, maybe, but I wouldn't have thought... I don't think... I think that they had a team of interns who did Blast Core. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) I forgot about that. And after Blast Core, they went on to do Jet Force Gemini, and then... That was, I guess, for an intern, to, for a, I guess it was a C team, if you want to. Yeah. I don't think it's even B. I think Jeff Force Gemini was pretty good for a C team, but mm. then um, I don't know who actually worked on this. I got a feeling it's their main team. The other thing I thought was real, just like a re- really random tidbit, I guess, is why is their health watermelon? I. Is yeah, there something I'm missing? Or, like. But I understand, like, you know, Banjo had honeycomb because he's a bear, and bears I love guess honey. you can't but really then, segment a banana. If it was a banana, it'd be extremely confusing. We have it'd be another health, kind of banana. Banana health pickup, <laughs> banana collectibles, and golden bananas. Uh, is there any other... Couldn't it have been, like, a rock melon or, I don't know, something else in the jungle that yeah. they could eat? I guess they could have been coconuts, but they're already shooting those. Antelopes. <laughs> you got to collect the cantaloupes. It just made it really awkward when you talk to Candy and she was, she was talking food. about melons. Yes. <laughs> Come closer and I'll show you how to use your <laughs> instrument and give you an extra melon. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> it was, mm. It's, um... It's just... Oh, I don't know. I just trying to think of what kind of food apes eat, but I guess... Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty much just leaves. <laughs> they could have just had bugs. We like... Timon and Pumbaa. Yes, that would have worked. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I think that we will go to a break and then we'll break, we'll come back to talk, just finish up talking about the gameplay. Um, so yeah. Back. So, just in case you've joined us on this episode of a podcast, which is strange, but whatever, uh, it's podcast episode number 110, VCR tape number 8, and it's Donkey Kong 64. So, we're just finishing up the gameplay discussion. So, um, the thing I was going to talk about next was, you know, I do feel like a lot of this stuff in this game was reused. Um, you know, the first boss battle was against that army dillo. That army dillo. It. That name so, was fantastic. So clever. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> it's better than K. Lumsey. I think that those, ba- like, they were good battles, but I kind of didn't like the way that they were executed. Um, mm. I, I hate how 
it's kind of stupid to say this though because Country did it this way, but Country was a different kind of game. I think in like, Country you can be far more precise that you don't have a third dimension to worry about when you're you know throwing a barrel in that direction. Like Ben could probably attest to how it was just just felt clunky. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you're gonna compare it to Donkey Kong Country games, then you're in a, a real spot of bother because they were just so tight platforming. Mm, like there were only two directions you could throw it in, as opposed to you know 360 degrees of potential error. Mm. And a lot of them were... I mean, I don't know how many good you guys got to play, but there's the army dealer, there's the um, the fire dragon thing. Mm. I don't even know what it is. Um, and there's the, the crazy dude in the jack-in-the-box who jumps from platform to platform, and that was a nightmare, I thought. Oh, yeah, that would have been if, terrible with these controls like, and camera. Yeah, there's, like, four platforms. You can't stand on them at certain points because they light up, and when they light up, you get electrocuted, you know, that kind uh, of setup. Yep, yep. Um, and then there was the K, K rule cutout, which is just like literally the laziest boss fight I've ever had to do <laughs> in my life. Besides the two bosses at the end of the game, wh- wh- who were completely reused, like exactly the same. Like they just changed, you know, one or two attacks, and that was it. They were the boss for that level. It just seemed so lazy. Like you fight Army Dillo twice and the Dino Dude twice. It just seemed. Huh. I hate when they do shit like is that. Is it like, like Super Army Dillo? Did he have new armor on or something? Kind of, but like. But it was still pretty know. much the same like, thing. I mean, aesthetically, he was different, but I think that fun, fun like functionally, if that's a word, um, he it'll do. Yeah, he is. He was the same. Like to fight, it wasn't anything exciting and stuff. And it was just. It makes me wonder how much of this game was rushed or was, you know, maybe it was scrapped halfway through development. And they had to start again and you know quickly rebuild everything and just. We're like, yeah, chuck those bosses back in there. I mean, that's not the only thing that kind of makes it seem rushed. Just so many of the so many of the things just seem ripped straight out of Banjo Kazooie, like the little little button pads that only certain characters can use, and they just do something the character can't do otherwise. It just seems. And when it's just opening a door, yeah, it's just revealing like, a new pathway. So you, you can't up, press that button yeah. unless you are this character, and you end up just crisscrossing across the stage, going back to the barrel, switch your character, go somewhere else, open the door. Have a look in there. Oh. The stupid noise when you're oh, waiting yes. for the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> or like play a dumb instrument, just ding, ding, the triangle a few times. Yeah. Play a dumb saxophone. But like in Banjo-Kazooie, it made sense because it was gated by your abilities, as you were talking about before. And if you found a button, you could only maybe, you know, could only just not use it because you didn't have the ability. But here it's like, well, you're the wrong character and you don't have the right ability. So you got to go get the ability, change to another character, come back and hopefully you can find your way back and then you can get in there. It's like, ugh, com- too complex. Too one, of the, one of the worst things was it, um, completing a series of challenging platforming segments only to get to the end and you s- and you, you see the sparkle or whatever it might be because it didn't have the processing power. It pops in when you get to the end and only then can you see it and realise that you're the wrong character. <laughs> oh, that was hell. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's just so ridiculous. Like, it shouldn't be... It's taken something that worked so well... And but then how could they fix that? Like I can't imagine. I guess they could just scrap the shit characters because it would be a bit more manageable with two. If they yeah just gave Donkey Kong, I don't know, put Diddy in Donkey Kong's backpack or something. I don't know. Just somehow <laughs> give him more similar, powers. Maybe. Yeah. Donkey Kong about, doesn't even have a backpack. <laughs> and if we're going to talk about um, Donkey Kong Country, when I think it was at least in Donkey Kong Country two, some barrels had Dixie's head, some barrels had um, Diddy's head. And yeah, basically, you just too. jumped in that to just yeah, just get to a different different section, and that was it. It wasn't 
completely all over the game, absolutely necessary to progress. Well, it, was just a, it was just a distraction. Something that might have been nice as well as having maybe levels designed specifically around one character as opposed to this level have to you have to play through yeah. it five times with each, you know, have to play through it with each character to do, you know, this little part here is, oh, there was a blue banana over there, got to come back later with a different character. It would have been nice. Yeah. That probably could have gotten around it, I guess. And, and so still much can't I remember characters. as well. It's like, where did I see those blue bananas? Mm. Where did I but see that, that switch for that character? That makes me wonder if maybe they were trying to tap into, because Banjo-Kazooie wasn't m- very much like 64, where... You know, 64... Mario 64, sorry. Yeah. Um, where, you know, I kind of... Mario 64, because they really... They were kind of not sure about 3D development. Because when you think about it, you know, the jump from 2D to 3D would have been huge to make mm. a game. Um, they used... They built a few environments that, okay, instead of building heaps more of these, we'll keep chucking them in and giving them different objectives. And I kind of feel like they were trying to tap into that with this, but they didn't really think realise why it worked in Mario but doesn't work mm. in this. Like in Mario um, you didn't have to go back to the start and change to a different ability to be able to use it you'd have everything yeah. available to you at all times. Mm. And something that might even be a little bit, I mean this is something that they couldn't have done, I understand why they didn't, was even having them just swappable on the spot. Like, Yeah. But then you can't, obviously memory constraints I assume, Yeah, I'm sure there was something to prevent yeah. it. Yeah. But it then, just felt super super video gamey, like here is a button but you can only press it if you press it with this gun but you can't press it if you use a different gun it's like why why does a peanut work but a coconut not like, it yeah. just didn't make any sense and donkey and kong generally it, it was obviously not a realistic game but it was seems somewhat grounded in reality and this just was like lol video game land and absolutely <laughs> no explanation for certain characters like your fat pig and skinny yeah pig they're, they're just kind of one there. has one has to weigh more than the other for the gate to open just just sh- shut up <laughs> I'd, I'd rather just um, have Mario um, like talking about Mario 64 just have, he, have him hold his hand up and the star twinkles around and it's like yep I have 60 stars mm. not feed them feed them to the giant fat creature what <laughs> these are just <laughs> like there's this pre-turn of the century loomers oh <laughs> <laughs> um so, oh yeah I forgot about that <laughs> but they were cute like yeah, they're cute but, fat these are just gross fat they're not just like, like these look sickly <laughs> and just yeah. awful <laughs> um, and that's some, like something else that I would like just getting back to how it recycled did you guys get up to any of the mini games and stuff a oh, couple I think there's of them. multiplayer like they just kept reusing them like and they made them harder but then they wouldn't balance them to hmm. make because you can just tell they've gone into you know done the equivalent of going into an any file or, and, and changed just adjusted some of the... a modifier do you know what I mean yeah like, yeah and then they haven't balanced it out for that like the beaver one if you hurt, try and hurt everything in the level they don't you have to herd these beavers into a hole like in the middle of the level mm. and like they never jump in. Like, you can get them on the edge and they'll just, like, teeter over. But because they're not made to do that, they just don't jump in, which is really just frustrating as hell. What about the um, weird snake turtle one? How it's like... Oh, you yeah. feed, feed the... Um, feed them watermelons? And you reload by... Them watermelons? You reload by clicking the watermelon symbol in the middle and then you have to feed the snakes so they don't eat the turtles which they're spinning on the ends of their tails. Like, there's absolutely what? no explanation or preamble. It's like, Whereas, oh, again, it. in country, you, you, like, you drop down into a secret area and the minigame is shooting out of the barrels collecting bananas and tilting left and right in order to get all the bananas I mean that makes sense in the context of the game this literally just places you behind a magical barrel watermelon gun and you shoot the bad snakes what if the snakes are doing a good thing what if if the turtles are overrunning the whole place (laughs) 
It's like a snake <laughs> in a mongoose situation. What if the turtles have paid the snakes for a good time and just want to be spun on their shell? Like, <laughs> maybe it's an arrangement um, which we haven't even analysed in greater detail. <laughs> We're just interrupting their private spinning turtle party. <laughs> what the hell? That's that's what I'm saying. There's no there's no preamble to the situations which you're presented. There's our podcast title, by the way, "Spinning Turtle Party." <laughs> But then, like, at the same time, like, you know, there isn't anything for like that in country. But I guess, like you said, it kind of still feels connected mm, to, some, like it, in, to some aspect. It like, wasn't just like you'd go into a cave or you'd go up into a sky thing. Or it wasn't just like, oh, you're off into the magical land where the snakes are in a shelf for no reason. Mm. It's almost like the equivalent, a uh, video game equivalent of a Family Guy cutaway joke. Like, <laughs> yes. I cannot agree with you more. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Oh, what about the barrel blast sections? They were weird in 3D. Like, they, they worked exactly, well, mostly the same, but, like, every time Donkey Kong shot out of a barrel, it was like... Ugh. It's just like, you don't have and to not, make... Not to mention that the camera snaps instantly behind the new barrel that he's being fired from. Yeah, it was and really... It, and it just felt like the most clumsy way to try and crib one of the unique ideas from the country series. Mm, Especially just- today, where they kind of... They... What's the word? They kind of refined that with Tropical Freeze. You know, they made mm, the barrel sequences exactly. more 3D, um, um, but yeah. still had that feel to them that wasn't shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And again, everything that they inserted in these games, especially referencing the older games, it just felt like it was so awkwardly put in there to appease the fans, but it just ended up cribbing them awkwardly into a space which they shouldn't exist in. Yeah. yeah. It, it is. It just did. It felt like it didn't feel like it was really well adjusted to. It, yeah, Kong. just put it in a place. Yeah, exactly as Ben like, said. Like, hey, just... we had this game lying around, and Nintendo <laughs> wants a Donkey Kong game, so let's just swap a few yeah. things out, make it three D, chuck it yeah, out there, it, and it's ready. And being being on the sixty four in that formative era of three D platformers, you've got the issue where Super Mario sixty four translated so many aspects of the Mario Mario series seamlessly into a three D space. Whereas Banjo-Kazooie completely forged its own path. So then Donkey Kong 64, you've got an existing template in country in the country games. Mm. It, it'd have to be really good in order to be as good as 64, because it certainly can't make its own path like the Kazooie series did. It's mm. kind of like, you know, how we had the three prime games for Metroid, and then we had other M. Like, Is Donkey Kong 64 the other M of Donkey Kong? I, but then I it think was so. um, followed by a series of failure games. I, I think so. <laughs> like, I mean, I feel the same. Like, it, I mean, they only think it's the same development team, which I guess is embarrassing. But I don't know. I feel that, like, you know, you kind of, how do you improve on those three things? And then they did, obviously, with mm. Returns and Returns, I mean, Tropical Freeze. But yeah. But it was a freak show up until that point. Yeah, it was. Of, of video games. For sure, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, so yeah, just to, I guess close off this section, we'll talk about the the idea of a collectathon and um, whether or not it's still in games today, which I think it is. Um, so I basically went through and I worked out uh, to my the best of my ability how much stuff you'll have to collect in this game before you can finish it completely, or even just finish it, um, you know. Just get to the end. Just get to the end, yeah. Um, this concept so basically, terrifies me. <laughs> the five golden banana. There's five golden bananas per Kong per level. So already there's seven levels, so what? I haven't done the maths yet. Oh. Um, but then we've got an additional 25 on top of that that appear in the overworld. Um, all so up that's, I think, 200, 150, isn't there? I think there's 200 a lot. Or, oh, yeah. 
with those extra uh, levels, yeah. Yeah, and then on top Damn. of that, each level has 100 bananas per level per character, so there's 500 Ooh, bananas fuck. in each level, right? <laughs> so what, 7 times 500? <laughs> so what, 3,500 bananas? Yeah. Um, on top of that, there's a few... I don't know how many there were, but there's several banana fairies to collect in each level, too. What even were they? I couldn't work out what to do with those. They were just little flying bananas that twinkled. You use them to buy something. Oh, I don't okay. know. Oh, uh, yes. Fairy trafficking. This, this, child, yeah, this child slave trade for fairies. Um, to, Traded it the to the, the game, Deku Tree. Towards the end of the game, you've got to collect the rare coin and the... I think it's the Nintendo coin, and... You know, you get the arcade versions of Jetpack and Donkey Kong to do that. But <laughs> to unlock cool. Jetpack, you need to collect 75 banana medals 15 times oh. to unlock it. Just oh. describing it is just making me revulse. There's 40 blueprints to collect, 40 medals to collect, 20 fairies, 10 crowns, 5 guns, 5 instruments, all up. So, that's... Oh. I mean, I don't know how much it is, but if it's in 10,000, I wouldn't be surprised. But it's, I don't think it is. <laughs> I think it's pretty... I think it's 5,000 collectibles, maybe. Um, I mean, I just feel like a game... Games aren't like that anymore. Like, no. it's so... And this is why I always wonder, like, when people say, do you... They want another Banjo-Kazooie, like, in the old style, like... Yeah, do you really want that? Yeah. But then, like I was saying to you guys before, like, right now I'm playing... Assassin's Creed and that's so it's kind of similar but at the same time it's that thing where you know yeah there is a lot of stuff to collect but it's all one person like there's no back and mm. forth you've got fast travel now which would never exist on a 64 game you know well they have those weird teleport pads but they were kind of you had to memorise which numbers like corresponded to which pads it was it was clunky but I guess it was mm. kind of there yeah numbers I forgot about that too <laughs> that was a little um, bit k lumsy. oh totally <laughs> <Anyway>. good <laughs> <laughs> you're never on. You're not welcome here anymore. <laughs> hey, Lumsy. But yeah, um, that's just too much. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how else to put it. There's just not. I think, I, I think at this point, where with this sort of critical analysis, where you really question the intrinsic value between collecting an arbitrary item and deriving enjoyment out of that. Yeah, like, where, what, where's the fun? Why was it basically? fun? Like, I don't know, somehow, it, I think it was more fun in, like, Banjo-Kazooie and Tui and yeah. all the ones that came along, because they were, they were less to collect, it was less work, and then you got, mm. I guess, rewards more regularly. I think it's having fun doing it, because, mm. I mean, put it this way, um, uh, three or four years ago, I, on the Super Mario Galaxy um, series, I was going to say, but actually the first Super Mario Galaxy game, I collected all 120 stars, and then 120 green stars. So I played through that game twice, basically, and with both characters. Why did I enjoy that? Because it's a masterfully designed game. I couldn't mm. see myself possibly sitting through 5,000 items. Because there's no fun to be had in it. Mm, they just You reach a point where it's just like, why am I continuing to do this? Yeah. Is it, isn't it an achievement to get those 500 bananas? And I, really. swear, I swear that like later Rare games kind of toned it down, probably in response to this. Like, Banjo-Tooie doesn't have as much. It still has lots of collectibles, but, but it's nowhere near as problematic. But came out, I wonder if it was just... If it really did have a huge effect. Because, mm. like, as I said, you know, when the game came out... The reviews were crazy good. Like, mm. I don't know if it was just the 
Because this is the thing, like, I, obviously, the hard thing is, I was, what, when that game came out, I was literally 10 or 11. Yeah. Like, I wasn't paying attention to, you know, the politics around games and stuff, whereas now I can, you know, look back and say, oh, yeah, that game didn't do very well because at the time there was this big thing against, you know, yeah, premium yeah. or whatever. Um, so I didn't really know if maybe that just Nintendo got free passes all the time because they were, you know, a very revered developer. Well, actually, thinking about it, around that time, things were very... Oh, I'm just trying to think. It was, like, games were... If you had lots of hours of gameplay, like, oh, man, Final Fantasy is such good... You know, such yeah, a good value because it's hundreds of hours. It's like, and that doesn't matter anymore. And that's something that Nintendo could never compete with, like, mm. because... The storage constraints. Sony brought out their PlayStation, you know, they've got their CD storage. They've got, you know, we had these crazy, like, at the time I was like, whoa, will games ever look better than this? <laughs> um, like, FMVs and stuff, and I was just like, this is crazy, and, like, Nintendo could never have anything like that, because of the way that their console was made. So they just so, made you go around the same environment 20 times collecting everything in it. Yeah, so I guess there was that competition and stuff that kind of maybe that edged them towards it, but... And I think there was an idea of, like, the, the amount of time it took you to fully complete a game determined how much value you got out of it, like... You know, I must get this many hours out of it to be worth the, you know, $60 or $120. It was a N64 game in Australia. Well, I still think that's... I think that's a thing now, too. Because you know how people say, yeah, like EA came out and they were like, yeah, our Dragon Age Inquisition has 400 hours of gameplay to get all the endings. And it's like, okay... Like, I, think, yeah, I, I love think, Dragon Age, but I know that you're not telling the truth. That mm. it's or that you're not telling me everything about how fun those hours will be. Yeah, I like, think a lot of people now will just straight up go, "Okay, that's going to be 400 hours of. I'm probably going to play 50 of them, and then, eh, oh, there's so many other games to play that I don't need to, you know, make the most out of this one game." Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of is interesting to go back and play something like this because it puts me off rare putting out something else like this because I think yeah. everyone wants them to do HD stuff of their old stuff which kind of was their their big thing but then people forget you know rare's not even what they are anymore oh god no but yeah but then at the same time maybe that's a good thing because you know rare was who they were then when they made this hmm. so they made things for the time and they're a product of their time and it doesn't necessarily mean they'd be fantastic games now you'd have people that would you know i'm sure there would be people who would gladly buy a donkey kong 64 hd edition but there'd also be a lot of people going man games sure i've gotten a lot better yeah for sure um so yeah we'll go to a quick break and we'll return to talk about the games presentation back, so, yep, Donkey Kong 64's <laughs> presentation, um, we'll talk about that before getting into, you know, kind of what this did, what the, where the series went from here, um, so I think the, f- the first thing that we kind of hinted at earlier on in the episode was that it's very similar to Banjo-Kazooie, mm-hmm. um, but I found it weird that despite requiring the expansion pack, I don't really think it looked much better than banjo 
because yeah, we- I, I do think the same thing. Like that sort of backs up that whole idea that they only included it because they couldn't get it to work without it for some reason. It doesn't look like it. You know, you get expansion pack games like Perfect Dark or Turok uh, Two was really good. <laughs> yeah, or what, what else was there? Like Rogue Squadron. And like oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they looked fantastic because they they'd run in a higher resolution and they'd have nicer, you know, just nicer textures or something. I can't remember exactly what it did, but they they looked better than games that didn't require an expansion pack. Whereas this just yeah, kind of just needed it to even exist. Yeah, this is like if we give up, we can't get it to work. Have a free expansion pack. Yeah, and it's weird because you know then Banjo Tooie, yeah, Banjo Tooie came out and that didn't need it. I'm pretty and, sure. And that looks, I think, a lot better than this. Yeah, like, definitely. And, and, and the weird thing is they're both cartoony, so there's no reason they couldn't have used stylized art to hide the limitations, you know. Mm. For, I so, think, I don't know. It's weird. I do think this the way that this game looks sort of stylistically is a bit... It definitely didn't help. I couldn't really forge much of an identity for any of the levels at all. It, they were really hard to navigate because there was nothing I associated with certain areas. The word you're looking for was generic. Yeah, it was very, very generic. It just, if I wanted to, oh man, I need to go back and find that button because I'm the right character now. You've absolutely I, no bearing on where to go. Yeah. I'm based on your instinct. I just kind of had to walk around until I happened upon it again. I think that ties into our main thing where we, we think that the game doesn't really have a strong Donkey Kong identity. Like, mm. it's literally, you know, a jungle world or a it grass world. It clearly had, like, Jungle Japes music and they. They stretched that they tried as to channel much as that they nostalgia, could. yeah. Mm, but and they- then it had, you know, there was a fire world, and there was a scary world, and there was a... <laughs> Spooky world. I don't even remember. I think it was an industrial world, something. Um, yeah, but then I think that another thing to do with this game, like, visually, is did you guys feel that the frame rate was really bad? Mm, no, no worse than I'd expect, I suppose. I think, it, yeah, it wasn't fantastic, but yeah, that... That's just probably more my it's expectations like, were in check. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it just felt really hard to get through stuff quickly. Like, it was really slow. Yeah, it, it just, did definitely feel like a lumbering, especially with Donkey Kong or, you know, any of the other heavy characters. It's just like, can you go any faster, please? Or even yeah. with Diddy Kong, it was just... It felt slow. You just kind of were walking over long... The environments were really huge, mm. but they were also kind of empty, and there was nothing... And then, and then you sort of get that urge to, you know... Ocarina of Time style would just sort of roll across Hyrule Field. Yeah. Except that whenever Donkey Kong stops rolling, he stands there for a while before he can do anything else. Yeah. I need a horse, or we need to ride on Rambi more. Yeah. Except that you turn into Rambi, which is... Yeah, you don't ride on him, you just become him. Um, Hold the whole button to turn back into Donkey Kong. (laughs) Okay. Didn't know he was a shapeshifter, but let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) These potions do crazy things. Maybe when you, when you maybe Mumbo came into the game when you were uh, when you linked <laughs> it up. The, the transition he's actually just hiding behind like a curtain in the backstage. <laughs> Cranky Kong is just like a suit that Mumbo wears. <laughs> oh, really skin um, Cranky Kong. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I think that the enemies were pretty well done. Um, they kind of you know a lot of them were like, oh yeah, that's the the yeah, thing, the, the one the, from the other from- one. Yeah, from Donkey Kong Country, like, they did that pretty well. Um, I did I wonder was... why a beaver is attacking a monkey. For some reason, it didn't make sense in this to me, but it doesn't matter in Donkey Kong Country. I, I don't know why. It's not why like that, that kingdom just, dynamics. Yeah. You just have unrealistic standards. Maybe. Um, yeah, the, the fact of the matter is the, the, the ape rides an emu. Yeah. <laughs> and turns into a giant brontosaurus. <laughs> 
It's not a what? dinosaur. Whoops, I mean rhinoceros. <laughs> yeah, close enough. I was like, what game did you play? <laughs> dinosaur Planet. <laughs> the one that only came out in Japan. <laughs> and then, you know, but then there's this... I don't know if you guys got far enough, but then they, I feel like they kind of got a little bit lost because they started throwing, you know, pieces of dominoes at me that had eyes. What? And, um... I wrote it down. I'm just it seems to... like basically once they'd run out of things to reference from early Donkey Kong games, they just kind of couldn't work out how to make their own enemies, and they just did a walking dice. Like uh, they just felt like characters from Play School, not enemies. <laughs> like, I just was like, hmm. yeah, why, why should this be my enemy? <laughs> Next up, fight the rocket clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I thought the game is just like it's just so bad it's so generic like I don't just don't like how it looks and I don't like how I'm pretty sure some of the textures would be exact I lifted straight from Banjo Kazooie like I wouldn't be surprised I think so yeah some of the desert stuff the Aztec stuff sorry I walked into that and I was like is this just Gobi Gobi Desert or am I in the wrong game I mean from the developer's perspective why would you spend more creating new textures or Mm. you know photographing you know I'm sure it was like, we already have some sand and a dusty wall. Exactly. And then, obviously, they just fall into that unfortunate template. And it probably was less noticeable on a CRT TV when you can't see the, you know, details of the texture. It's just all a muddy mess that looks roughly like what it should. And um, what did you guys think of, like, the voice work and the music and stuff? Uh, Well, again, I'm kind of, like, I suppose poisoned from Donkey Kong Country having loved, absolutely loved the music in every game I, I think they all have their own um, character and lend a lot of atmospherics especially sort of like the Lost Temple stuff from um, the original game yeah, like I, f- like I feel like if you go and listen, if you if you listen to a song from DKC one, two, or three, you can tell like where it's from. Like you know, yeah, all, yeah, exactly. And like three just... has that kind of I don't know how to like that mountainy kind of feel to it, whereas yeah, two is more then... of a darker industrial one, and one is yeah. like a you know a jungly one. I yeah, guess. and then there's a lot of like Carib- um, Caribbean sort of influences in the early music in the early Donkey Kong Country three stages, and yeah, they've all got their own vibes, absolutely. Whereas um, the music in this sounds like it, yeah. apart from Jungle Japes, which you know, obviously they were just yeah, reusing an yeah, existing they tune that for everything that it was worth. But like because <laughs> because they used all, it sounded like all the same instruments that they used for Banjo Kazooie. It just sounded like a Banjo Kazooie expansion that's to me. Gonna, that's what it I was getting like at. Like they'd like dived into the files of all the unused Banjo Kazooie music that wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and let's put that into the game. Here is the added, desert music we yeah. didn't use in Banjo Kazooie. Let's and, just add a Jungle Japes at the start, and they're like, "Here it is." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it. It's that's, good music, but it just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't evoke it doesn't the atmosphere. It should at all. And that's what I, I looked it up and stuff because I was like, "Oh, who did this?" Like I've just. Oh, it was definitely just, still Grant Kirkhope. No, oh, it wasn't him. Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Well, it was a Graham Norgate. There's three I'm, of them. I'm pretty sure he's still like selling it on his Bandcamp or something he made. Oh yeah, so it is Grant Kirkhope because I, I bought it, it for this him. episode. No, it is him. Oh, okay. Um, and all his music is like so like samey. Like it kind Do of. You like xylophones. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he bought his xylophone and he really likes it and no everyone's too scared to tell him to find a new instrument. Like he has like, done some incredible music well, after the N sixty four when he got access to some more diverse instruments, but But yeah. I think he did a great job for Goldeneye and Perfect Dark especially. Oh absolutely. Um, but yeah, I just think that when you put it up against like say David Wise's stuff and I think Evelyn Fisher did Donkey Kong three, um, it just doesn't compare. Like there's just no atmosphere to it. It's just, you know, whimsical 
you know, as Ben said, xylophones. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like the Vuvuzela of six, Nintendo 64. Like, it's, it's <laughs> just over, these metaphors. overused too much. Like, I don't know. I just was not a fan. Um, and, yeah. Oh, the voice work, just to jump onto that. That was... I, I don't know how to feel about that at Amusing all. Amusing like, at first. Grating. After yeah. a good hour of gameplay. And it was really weird. It's, I remember playing this and thinking, whoa, why did they give them voices? Okay. Like, also, did why does say, the banana talk when it appears? Who is talking? Yes, is it exactly. the banana? The golden banana would just appear in a random part of the level. And it, um, what was it? Oh, something. Banana. Yeah, just in the no background. Explanation. Ooh, banana. It's like, who, who said that? Was, did so the banana cheesy. talk? Like, it's or, just too much. Yeah, and then there's that uh, like, oh. arbitrary Diddy Kong screeching when a door appears. And he's not even <laughs> present. <laughs> he's over in a barrel. Why did he scream? He's <laughs> just this overexcited ADHD kid or something, like <laughs> screaming at everything. Uh, a door open. <laughs> imagine living with him. Like <laughs> every time someone w- leaves their room or something, he's a discreet, loud screeching. <laughs> Be a nightmare. Um, but so I yeah, remember being fun pretty, for a while. I remember being pretty shocked, like that this had voice acting because I think. Did you say Perfect Dark came out after? Yes, yeah. Perfect yeah. Dark was like 2000 or 2001. Because Perfect Dark was fully voiced. Mm. Um, so that was, you know, I kind of was like, whoa, that. But then this was really strange because, you know, we went from all the Donkey Kong countries, which had no voices, to, to voices on this, which is crazy. Um, and it and like really... even Mario Kart 64, he hadn't had a voice at that point. And I think, is this where the voice, like him talking, started? Who? Like Donkey, Donkey Kong. Kong. Like saying, okay, yeah. So I don't think he'd ever said anything up until this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. Fun- uh, for some reason I'm thinking Funky Kong used to say a lot of stuff, but maybe not. Maybe I'm getting confused. Um, I think up until that point, um, Donkey Kong had just appeared in... Was Smash Bros. before this? Um, no, I think Smash Bros. was just after? I don't know. Well, up, up until that point anyway, certainly in Mario Kart and Mario Party, up until that point, and it was just generic ape noises. <laughs> yeah. Screeching. Screeching from Donkey Kong. But you go- um, actually, you guys just reminded me. Like in like, this is another thing about you know how you can use kind of sound to give atmosphere. Whenever you uh, um, leave Donkey Kong Idle in the first game, you know how he does that really loud, like <laughs> that, but louder. Yeah. I'm not going to do it because I can't do it. Oh yes, with the <laughs> echo. Yeah, yeah, it has an echo, and that echo just makes the world. Even though it's a two D, you know, left to right yeah, plane, like it exactly. has this echo that makes it feel you know, so big. Yeah, and you're in an expansive jungle. Yeah, and then over in the caves, like, it makes it even, you know, yeah. kind of... It just adds so much, whereas this kind of is very flat in the, its use of yeah, sound. Yeah, like, you talk nothing... about the caves from the original Donkey Kong. It, there's barely any music. It is it is literally just a few tones to give you the concept that it's an echoey... Plus like, a few drips a and drops, like and you're ambient. Very, mm, yeah, and you're very lonely in that cavern. Whereas this is just starts you off in the jungle, it's like, hey, remember Jungle Japes? And yeah. you're, you're literally in a walled-off environment, and the texture on the side is pictures of trees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a very painful to see. And know. like you know, and people, I have a feeling people might be listening to this and thinking we're being really harsh on it because of the time. But then you know, you have games like Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie, which really did a good job at making their levels feel alive mm. and setting boundaries without having you know literally what yeah. just felt like photographs of inanimate Freeze. objects. On yeah, the outside. yeah, it feels rough to take this down a few pegs, but because it had such um, essentially dazzling contemporaries, it really hurts the game as a whole. Yeah, and like there was not one level in this that 
reminded because to me one of the biggest the most memorable levels of the Nintendo 64 was Click Clock Wood because you had you know the four seasons and they all rotate and it literally was like you know a living level you know and that was before you know we got Majora's Mask and stuff but then mm. um, which really took that concept much further <laughs> yeah um, and this just everything was flat like I didn't there was nothing I was like oh this and it didn't really help that none of it was connected you know yeah and it reminds me of when we were talking about Super Mario Sunshine a few episodes ago where you know all the worlds in that game were really well connected mm, and you could know, see you- everything from everywhere else and it just was at, at had a place there was a, mm. a place where all these things existed as opposed to here is level one here is level two yeah, just, like, go through but then some it's important weird to clarify as well, like that you know, sixty four did the same did the same thing as this game. You know, mm. the random vignettes, I guess, of different worlds. But it, as Ben said, you know, they're signposted with paintings, so they make sense. Whereas this just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're kind of being a little bit too nitpicky, but I just but it's, it's just what we do. Yeah, that's the point of these episodes. <laughs> it feels like it, it defies the initiative of what a video game should present to the player in order to make it, you know, simple to pick up. And as Stephen um, pointed out when we were starting to play it uh, very early on, you're forced to do the tutorial levels to swim and run around and please jump to hit the barrel and collect it. And in Banjo-Kazooie, you don't have that. You just walk into the world and the game teaches you by design, which is how all games should be in in an ideal world. But again, comparing it, again, comparing, comparing to a rare classic, it just falls up short so much this game would be so much better if no other good games existed maybe if it came I out before Banjo-Kazooie you'd say yeah. oh yeah I can see they're building on that template but not when it's sandwiched in between them I guess it comes down to like there's that you know this really she age old saying that they write on Hallmark cards and shit but whatever time mm-hmm. will tell like you know we've <laughs> had we've had so much time to for this to age and you know and all of its contemporaries to age and then we've come back to it now today and you know it just hasn't worked in each of them yeah it just doesn't it doesn't make doesn't work as well Mm. and I think that this was and we'll move on to the next the last segment of the episode which is basically before we bump people out too much yeah yeah (laughs) um is we'll talk about you know how what this did to this I don't know if this game did anything to the series because it sold well but I think after this they really failed to find their footing with the series Nintendo did because they didn't um, do a straight up Donkey Kong platformer after this for a long time did they yeah it was a very long time because you know you've got to remember from 64 all the way up until um what we like yeah returns, we didn't have yeah. yeah we didn't have a platformer like the old games um so in that space of time Nintendo basically hired Payon <laughs> Who I don't know if you guys know, but they're very. Um, I think the Nintendo C team. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe even D team. They're owned by Nintendo. Um, oh, they did Dosh in the Giant. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and then, so they were tasked to make a new game, and they came up with Donkey Konga, and that. So was they were good, just like a weird but- experimental. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like a lot of experiments happen between now and then. Like we had DK King of Swing. Um, we had. They announced Decon Pilot, which became Banjo Pilot after they left Nintendo. Um, Donkey Kong Racing was going to be a thing, but obviously that got cancelled when mm. Microsoft bought them. Um, what else? It was one so more. weird seeing that on the back of my GameCube box and it just never happened. Yeah, I know. It's so sad. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> it looked so cool. Like, the way the dust was coming up and stuff, it looked really real. <laughs> um, and then... 
there was Coconut Crackers, which was basically turned into It's Mr. Pants for Rare, <laughs> for Game Boy Advance. So, yeah, that was a pretty dark time, I guess. Nothing really... A lot of projects oh. got cancelled or changed. Um, I really love Donkey Konga. I, I yeah, can't, I can't stand I, playing it now, but yeah, like, it's, like, I just played that for weeks on end and I couldn't get enough of just bashing weird bongo drums in front of my TV. Well, you know, Jungle Beat was absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah, we forgot about that. We're That's getting, a we're, No, we're getting so oh. I didn't forget about them, guys. <gasps> Goodness me. <laughs> we obviously um, think too little of you. <laughs> These scathing remarks. <laughs> and then um, we had, I guess, did Barrel Blast come out before Jungle Beat? No, Barrel Blast, did that even come out on the GameCube or did that... It came only- out on the GameCube, then it was re-released on the Wii only. Instead of Bongos, he had Flappy, Nunchuck, like new and play remote control. Yeah, so basically Nintendo really wanted to get their money's worth out of the R&D for these bongo drums. So they basically yeah. <laughs> released, what, three Donkey Konger games, two of them in the West, I'm pretty sure. Maybe just one. I don't one, think I we ever got two or three in Australia, but I think two came out in the US, maybe. It was such a weird time. Like I was yeah. When the GameCube was out, you know, so many games we had to import, but now everything almost comes out here, which is mm. better. Now we can't um, import. Yeah. <laughs> was was the conga the conga 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 what? controllers? Yeah, yeah, bongo drums. Bongo. That's right. The bongo <laughs> drums were they were they a product of the Guitar Hero and Band no, Hero? This is before Guitar Hero. Like this, this was way is, before. Really? Like, this is like back yeah. when rhythm games were like Buster Groove or just like little like Parappa oh, the Rapper. No, it was PS2 era, so it would, yeah, it might yeah. be Guitar Hero had just started, but I don't think it was. Um, it's hard to say. But, um, so we had the two Donkey Kong games, but then what came before Jungle Beat? Wasn't there something else? Uh, no? Nothing coming to mind. Nothing so memorable, then, clearly. Yeah. So then Nintendo put out Jungle Beat, which I guess was, which was, a, as we said before, like a very experimental, like a very different step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the right direction, I guess, well, in a step d- in different direction. in an interesting direction. direction. Yeah. Um, I remember playing it and being so exhausted. <laughs> I, I loved it to pieces. I couldn't get enough of it. It like, was a really good combination of the like the rhythm game of Donkey Konga and putting that on a on a platformer and just having to like clap in time to get more bananas. It was And yeah, I think the I interesting thing is that I think back on that and I don't think of having a difficulty with the controls. I remember playing a platformer. Yeah. I was like, hang on, I was pressing two buttons and clapping the entire time, but I distinctly remember a platforming experience. Mm, and it's something that, weirdly enough, even though the, the bongos, you know, you don't really think about them now, it feels wrong to play that game with, with the new play controls on the Wii. Like, flailing your Wii remote about just doesn't feel the same because you're not pressing a thing. So the, the bongos definitely added something to that game, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely, because I remember they brought it out on Wii again, and I, I, I did not mm. enjoy it as much. No, like, it, it wasn't. wasn't it didn't have that novelty, but the novelty wasn't all of the game either. And everyone hates flailing, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's Waggle true. Physics. Waggling? Waggling, flailing, hitting, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Raging. So basically they, um... Yeah, so there was a lot of weird games in between, and then I guess they found their foot, and they were like, okay, people really want a new Donkey Kong Country. Retro got on the case, and, you know, they made two games. One was good, one, and the second one was just amazing. So, mm. Tropical Freeze, yeah. I do wonder where they'll go from now on. Like, um, I wouldn't do- be surprised if we get a Donkey Kong Returns 3, because it's... You reckon? Well, I mean... Well, I mean, it would make sense because they've, they've built a, a fairly, a fairly good sort of framework and foundation to build Donkey Kong Country games on. So it would be an easier thing to do. I think they would get crucified if they did. Yeah, and but it's but interesting because we're literally now in the same situation we were in before 64 yeah. came out. Like you know, we had some really good games prior, 
and, you know, this kind of expectation now. Well, I'd be happy if we got a Donkey Kong Country 3 instead of a Donkey Kong 64. Like, yeah, that's if we, true. If they've got one more good one left game on everyone's mind about yeah, Retro that everyone really wants. Well, let's, even if they brought out another Donkey Kong Country um, in the vein of Return to Tropical Freeze, the thing that would make me truly happy if they brought back that overworld exploration aspect and they were, they were trying to channel that with Tropical Freeze, but it was still just a linear progression. Yeah. Because I would just love them to bring back the Kremlins. I don't know if they can or if they can't, but, yeah, but I really... Then, I don't know this... As, as, as I said to Stephen, like... Well, I remember when Donkey Kong Country Returns came out, I was like, Tiki's, what is this? And I thought to myself, I'd like to see the Kremlins. Why wouldn't they include the Kremlins? But then when Chocolate yeah. Freeze came out, the, the sort of the, the icy um, owls and walruses and whatnot. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I don't get that me wrong. Was really, the, the, yeah, snow, really cool. the Snowmads, I think they were called. Yeah, that's yeah, right. They snowmads. were a huge improvement over the Tiki's and stuff. Absolutely, but then but, I've got the nostalgia for the Kremlins, so that's why. Yeah, but that's, that's what I have as well. And then I see yeah. Donkey Kong 64 and how it can all go so wrong. <laughs> yeah, in yes. my opinion, it's like who gives uh, you know a shit about K. Rule and what his problems are? As I said to Steve, why does he find another island? This is, yeah, like the, there's a lot of space there. The horizon stretched out for a good long while. Why did he happen upon Donkey Kong's head of an island? Yeah. Maybe oh. they'll make like Assassin's Creed Black Flag but with King K. Rule trying to find his island. Oh, that could probably work. That. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, yeah, battle um, K. Rule. <laughs> Um, on that note, we will go to a quick break and return to finish up the episode. So, on the site, there's been, I think, two new reviews since the last episode. Um, the Swapper on Wii U eShop, really good game if you like the kind of isolationist feel of Metroid mixed with the puzzly stuff of Portal. So, yeah, there's not much backtracking or anything, so please don't think it's like that because it's not. But it is a really good game, and I really recommend it. Um, on top of that, Shovel Knight is also up, the review, obviously. It's also really, really, really good. Yes, I haven't played it yet. Um, but, oh, we're going to do an episode on that too. But that was before. Where are you now? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's also apparently very good. Stephen reviewed it, so and he really liked it. So I assume it's good, because... But then sometimes Stephen... I have great know, opinions. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd agree with Stephen as well. If you like anything that's old and Nintendo, in the Super Nintendo and NES era, you'll like Shovel Knight. Yeah, so I think I might buy it at some point when I'm not dead from work. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, on top of that, there's nothing really else new on the site. There will be a new 3DS FAQ going up sometime soon. If it's I not think already. that might be up already. It might be already up. Yeah, it's a mega FAQ, so absolutely everything that you need to know about the new 3DS the new 3DS XL um, will be in that FAQ. It's pretty big. Um, Vuk wrote it and he has a Japanese one so he actually has one. Um, yeah, yeah, he's not just it. making this up from spec sheets. He's had that thing for a month. <laughs> yeah, um, and we've got his videos, everything. Um, yeah, we didn't get noticed by Nintendo which was really... <laughs> 
really upsetting. When will Nintendo Senpai notice us? If only we were shitty YouTubers. <laughs> um, shots fired. <laughs> so, the next episode um, will be um, released on the 3rd of December. Um, it's going to be a pretty big one because it's going to be Smash Bros. Wii U and Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. We might have extra people on. I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, and it will be a traditional episode, so obviously we'll go through the news and stuff that we've missed the last fortnight. Um, Plus, you know, any new news as well, obviously. Um, so, yeah. Um, we'll see you then on the 3rd of December, and then we'll... That's it. Okay. So, <laughs> well planned. Um, yeah, so, for, um, until the next fortnight, thank you for listening. Um, as always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, um, follow us on Instagram. Um, the website... Yeah, the website is www.vooks.net. It's like books, but with a V. And, yeah, you'll find the links to the, all the social media there, too. Because um, we'll be running competitions and stuff throughout the week as well. Um, a lot of Pokemon codes up for grabs if you haven't got one already. Um, like Deancey and Shiny Gengar, apparently, are coming. Yeah, so... Super. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you in another fortnight's time. Bye. Bye. Ta-ta.